Thanks for listening to Middle Aged and Mediocre. I'm Cash. I'm Joel. And uh, we are a podcast about all things strange and unusual, death, UFOs, and other creepy, Cults. weird, random shows. There you go. Yeah. Not uh, just naming things in the room. Oh my god. There's a cult of ghosts. And mediocre. I'm Cash. Joined as always. Me? You? I'm Joel. That's Joel. Yeah. Good boy extraordinaire. <laughs> GBE. <laughs> That's right. What's going is on? That, is E extraordinaire? Starts with an E? GBE. Sometimes All right. just want to be really cool and radical <laughs> in the 90s and just started with an X. Oh. GBX. I am. I'm good boy extraordinaire. <laughs> Man, that just gave me like a, I'm a good boy, but I have that bad boy edge to me. I wish I had the uh, graphic design skills to uh-huh. make, you remember the old school, like uh, all the hip hop rap albums, like they all use like, I forget who the guys were. Yeah, like the the, the, the No Limit Soldier album. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, they were all like, they all had a very similar pattern. Yep, yeah, like, like tanks on there A bunch shit. of like, like blinged out, if yeah. you will. Oh, yeah. I would love to make... I wish I had the skill Good boy, extraordinaire. To put you on an album cover. Man, I wish you did too. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, I do remember a while... Dude, people need to know! I do remember a while back, I was I found out who did those. It was a certain like guy or yeah. group or whatever. Uh, and I think at the time I found it, I was like thinking about maybe doing like a Cole Cash shirt, yeah. shirt like that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you could pay to have it done, but it was like... That's such a specific look. Like, as soon as you started to talk, I knew exactly what... As soon as you started to talk. (laughs) Yeah, No Limit. Uh, Like, Snoop had a few of them. Mystical. Yeah, Mystical. Uh, Masterpiece. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, all those guys use the same... Yeah. Same group. I was like cartoonish a little bit, but it was just really like bright. Like you said, blingy and bright. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of diamonds. Yep. Yeah, a lot of gold. Man. Yeah, there were tanks. I see, I see it in my head. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the GBX would be <laughs> good boy extraordinaire. Yeah. It would be an awesome cover. Uh, hey, it, play your cards right. We could be the good boys extraordinaire. All right. <laughs> but you got to prove your good boys. I'll, I'll just be the hype man. <laughs> I'll get you a towel. You can wave it around. Yeah. He's a good boy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, look how good that boy is. <laughs> yeah, He's I'll, the best boy. I'll be the extent of my talent on that. <laughs> Of that production. Uh, so what's going on? Oh, we're back with part two of our H.H. Holmes story. Yep. Triple H. The old G, the OG Triple H. Uh-huh. Uh, where we left off, he was just arrested. Just He moved to Chicago, changed his name, changed yeah. it back, <laughs> changed it again. I don't know. Just doing fraud things. Uh, but we'll get to that. Going H.H.H. things. So what have you been up to? Uh, we did comedy. I made a comedy trip yesterday. I'm booking a little more comedy. Just uh, buying VHS tapes and comedy. <laughs> just, you are buying a lot of VHS tapes. 2023, and I just got 20 VHS tapes today. Time for the VHS revolution. <laughs> yeah! It's film, okay? I'm a bit of a snob, and right. it's actually film. It looks a lot it's better. It's cute that you have these little discs. <laughs> you know, that's really cute, Josh. And you even went as far as to buy like an old TV to watch him one. Yeah. Well, I had the TV already. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Well, you're just replicating the entire experience of the yep. 90s. And I got Sega hooked into my VCR, hooked into my TV. So, I just, you know, I'm going balls out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, got to do something. How'd the comedy go? It was really good. Uh, Lori Graves in Jackson always runs a good open mic. 
Uh, man, it was it was a really strong lineup. 13, 14 comics. I was first. I kind of posted about this, but I'll just tell this little story. Um, I was first. I had a decent set. I did flub a couple lines. And it's so funny. Like, I watched it a set back. I can't tell. But, like, when I reached for my water during the set, my hand was shaking. Because, like, as long as I've done comedy, I still get that nervous right. on stage. Like, my hand just kind of shakes. It's like the adrenaline. I'm not scared up there or anything, but I'm just, oh, I'm so yeah. filled with adrenaline. And I'm getting my laughs and everything. And, like, our friend Nikki went. She had a killer set. Mike Wells was there. Had a killer set. Nate Washington. A bunch of people no one probably knows. But just comics I know that are why I wanted to go watch them. And so after the show, we're standing there, me, Nikki, and Mike Wells. And this lady comes up. And looks at Nikki, and she's like, oh my god, you had the funniest set! And then she saw Mike Wells, she goes, oh my god, you had the funniest <laughs> set! And then she, like, turned and looked at me, kind of like how you would look at something if you're trying to figure out if it's shit or just like a clump of dirt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then she's like, you, you had a couple good ones! And just turned <laughs> and walked away, and then I said, you know... You could have just said nothing. I said, I guess I'll just go home and only cut myself a little bit. Just a couple good cuts. And then I made the comics laugh that she said were really funny. So, so who's, who's the funniest? Who's the good boy extraordinaire now? <laughs> Callback. GBS. <laughs> Callback. <laughs> yeah, comedy. I'm gonna yeah, be... Why would you say that? Like, I know. Just be like, hi. <laughs> yeah. Just be like, I thought you were really good too. Yeah. yeah. Like <laughs> You had a couple good ones. Like, that's... That's just the meanest thing. Like, which ones were they? Tell me. Which <laughs> ones were they? But I have, uh, I'm back at Gators. Or actually, so I have uh, Lore City coming up the 11th. So that's next Saturday. Um, Lore City at the Airport Tavern. And then March 18th, back at Gators in Marietta. I have a little bit of a schedule. February 11th, March 18th. And then March 25th, I'll be at the Smoot Theater with Kevin Farley. He's Chris's brother. Who? That Christopher. Was in all the funny movies? Chris who? I assume Farley. Oh, that Chris Farley. He is? No, that's Chris Farley's brother, and I'm going to be hosting for that show. It's also, according to the picture on the flyer, it's just Chris Farley with a goatee. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit of a beard. Yeah, I'm now in the conspiracy of Chris Farley never died. He just I'll get him to admit it. His brother's no. identity. If you're listening to this, Kevin, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know why you would be listening to this, but I'm looking forward to working with you, sir. No, but it's going to be at the Smoot, which I'm excited to do that. It should be a packed show. I saw her, like, front row is 25 and the rest are 20. And it's, like, going towards the homecoming, I guess. So mm. I just want to do comedy. Homecoming certainly needs more money. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's March 25th. And that uh, should should be some fun. Smoot is a is a very old theater, so that's pretty cool. You're yeah. getting to uh, actual theater with the stage. Yeah. And, yeah, it's like a legit theater. I'm legit now. Good deal, man. Good yeah. deal. Uh, so I should have a couple good ones that night. <laughs> At least have one. <laughs> I'm gonna try. I hope that lady's there again. <laughs> she comes from Jackson to that show. Oh yeah, that one was. A you had a couple more good ones. <laughs> They were the same, too. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. I mean, <laughs> I mean, stranger lady. Lady, I don't know. Is that about my mom? <laughs> Why do you say such wonderful things, Mom? Uh, well, I'm glad you're having uh, some success back yeah, there yeah. comedy. Glad you're getting back into it. Thanks, man. Things are looking up for old Joel, which it can only lead to disaster. Well. But I'm going to enjoy it while I can, okay? That's right. You just ride the, you ride the wave of positivity yeah. until it crashes. Like it was a big old dick. <laughs> just a big old wave of pos- possibility. Positive dick. Positive dick. <laughs> Joel's dick positive over here. <laughs> uh, so I, I gotta, I gotta take a minute. 
Okay. To uh, get something off my chest and, All right. and just rage about something. Oh, this is the place. Uh, yeah, I figured this would be good. Uh, so yesterday, I... Uh, uh, I was, All your troubles seem so far away. Yesterday. Boom, 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 boom. Uh, I was at work, and I was like, <laughs> I had to run to the store to get a, a get a, a birthday card for my grandma and my aunt, because I'm a, I'm a good grandson and a great nephew, you know? Quick life hack. Okay. Use paper towels as birthday cards, because no one gives a shit about them. Just fold them in half, Very take true. a marker, write some shit on the inside, write something on the outside. Like, keep them spread apart so they don't bleed through. And there's your birthday card, and you save yourself, like, five bucks. Okay. And it's kind of cute, because they're like, oh, you drew it on a paper towel. It's like when you're six, and you you just do anything, and people are true. like, wow. Which is what I did for Christmas this year, where I See? painted them things. See, yeah. And then I got the response. You're just painting on a paper towel. I got the same response of, like, when I was a kid, <laughs> I like, handed them drawings, and they were like, oh, this is something... <laughs> Yeah, you did a couple good ones. Yeah. But yeah. I'm sorry, go on. So you buy, you're uh, buying birthday cards. Yeah. I mean, I, you're a good boy. Extraordinary. You I just made them, it. You just made it. I just made it. Yep. All right. So I, but I'm thinking, you know, I'm like, I got to do that. So while I'm there, I'll, uh, I'll peruse the uh, old card aisle, uh, sports cards, trading cards, and I need some cases, like some cases for the cards. Uh-huh. So I'm like, I've seen them there before. So I'll grab Two some birds, of those. one stone. Yeah. So I, uh, I, you know, I drive over to Southside Walmart and all the fucking traffic. Uh, on a, you know, on a Friday afternoon or Friday evening, all I want to do is really come home. Yeah. But I go out. I hate being out in the world. You put yourself out there. I put myself out there, and I, I hate it every time. Uh, you were hating it before you were even out there. You're just sitting at your desk thinking about putting just, yourself uh, out there. You're like, oh, but, but I need the cards, and I need the other cards, and I need the cases. Well, there was about 27 different times that I was like, just stop at CVS, right? to your house, grab the cards. Yeah. Uh, don't worry about the cases. You get sure. them later. But, uh, so I go to Southside Walmart. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with the Southside Walmart trading card aisle. I'm assuming not. Uh, it's kind of up towards the front, right? They're always up towards the front yeah, because yeah. theft. Uh, but they put it, Southside Walmart, if you're listening to this, you <laughs> dumb, ignorant fuckheads. Yeah, you're so dumb! <laughs> they've, they've put it uh, in one of the self-checkout aisles. and So there's a line of people usually trying. Always. And then when you're looking, like, are you in line? Sorry, I don't mean to step on your rage. So there's... Two people checking out, like scanning their shit. There's two people in front of me, like together. Yeah. So four people total. Uh, the first two people that are at the register are just like it's taking them forever. But yeah. I'm still, I'm cool, baby. Yeah, man. You know, I, I knew, I knew this was gonna be a thing. You're there. You just have to yeah, wait a little bit. I knew bit. it was gonna take a little bit, so I'm cool. So I'm just kind of like look, I'm like looking as best I can to see what they have before I'm able to really get over yeah. there. And I'm not really seeing a whole lot, but the uh, cases are at the all the way at the very end. Like by the time you get to the scanner, that's where the cases are. Yeah. Well, across from the scanner, so I, I'm like, you know, just kind of look at the cars, see what's there. It's taking forever, but I'm still. I'm like, I knew this was coming in. Some people are not good at self checker out. They're not at all. <laughs> it's like they weren't trained to do that. It's so weird. It's weird. That, yeah. <laughs> there's like you know, we you know Walmart could hire people. Ah. Uh. And have them run registers, but that seems crazy. Was this 1998? Fuck out of here! In this particular aisle, I have heard people multiple times say, "Although this was supposed to be the fast one." <laughs> like for some for some reason, 
People have it in their heads that this self-checkout aisle is faster than the other self-checkout aisles. Is it like 10 items or less or anything? No. No? It's just kind of off to itself, though. Yeah. Instead of going in that, like... And it has, like, the longer, like, the actual conveyor yeah. belt, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, you know how they have, like, the corral of sure. self-checkouts? Well, this one's kind of off to its own. <laughs> and I have heard, like, three people, three different people say, and it happened yet last night, yeah. like, somebody said, like, I thought this was supposed to be the fast self-checkout. <laughs> Which doesn't make what self checkout self checkout like what are you talking about? Well, so anyways, the two people at the register finally fucking get done. They take forever to bag their shit. Like they're like making sure it's all bagged like yeah. perfectly, and like they'd go to put one thing in, the other woman would be like, "No, no, no, put that in there, put it in here." Oh. But you know, I'm still just like, "You're cool, cash." I knew this was gonna happen. So the two people in front of me, they get up, they get up to scan their stuff. And while that's happening, this lady just kind of, like, barges her way in and starts looking through the cards. Which, you know, I'm like, that's fine. Like, she's, but she's, like, bumping into my cart. Oh. She's, like, bumping into their, like, the them. You know, so, and I'm just like, if she stands here this whole fucking time while, and, you know, and she's still here when I'm, like, finally up to where I can look. Yeah. Like, now I might lose a little bit. (laughs) But she grabs, like, a few packs of cards, like, I'm assuming for her kid or something. And leaves. So we're good. Oh, at least, yeah, at least she didn't jump in front of you in line. That's yeah. what I was waiting for. No, so we're good with her. So I'm back to being, you know, okay, everything's good. These, Maybe slightly less good, but you're still trying to be good. But I'm like, you know, whatever. Now I just got to get these two people through and we're good to go. So these two people made four total, used four different cards. Oh, my God. To make, to cut, to pay for everything. Like, they would, like, scan, ha- like, you know, a fourth, this is a, nightmare. a fourth of their shit, yeah. put a card in, get that stuff, and now, you know, uh, another fourth. And no. throughout this process, the lady double-scanned shit four different times, which means all four times she had to stop, yell over at the lady running the corral of self-checkout, yeah. who had to come over... Delete the second item. And anytime these people have to do anything, they are not pleased. Well, and the, I've never seen one of those employees like be enthusiastic about no. their job. Well, this lady—it was like an older lady uh-huh. who seems like she's just like half crazy, so she's like pretty cool with whatever. Okay, but she's so slow. Yeah, so it takes her forever each time. But I'm still just like, all right, you know, whatever. Like they finally get like half of their items purchased, so I can at least move up. Yeah, and now I'm at least able to look at the cards. So at least I'm like my attention. Yeah, can be, you have. Yeah, I have something I can look at. They don't have anything. They have dog shit. <laughs> like, they have nothing to choose from. So I was like, oh, this is fucking a bust. So I find, like, one pack of uh, basketball cards. Uh-huh. And I was like, I'll just grab this pack. So I have something to open. Uh, they're still checking their shit out. So they get thir- they get a third of the way through. They have one last thing left to scan, like, the last fourth of their shit. The lady puts in a $10 bill. And then she puts in a card to pay f- to finish off paying for everything. Yeah, she doesn't have enough money on her card. Oh, uh. so she calls over the lady again, and this time she's holding up a pack of pens, and she's like, "I don't know why these are scanning at nine ninety, like nine ninety seven or whatever." She's like, "It said four ninety seven. and she's like, "Now I don't have enough money because you guys are trying to rip me off." Oh my god! And the lady's like, "Uh, you know, hold on a second, let me check it." So she checks it. It's nine ninety seven. Sure. And the lady's like, well, it said five ninety seven or four ninety seven yeah. or whatever. And maybe someone put them in the well, wrong that's place. That's what the lady said. She's yeah. like, Well, things do get put in the wrong place sometimes, you know, like I apologize, but yeah. she's like, Do you still want them? And she goes, I want them for four ninety seven. Oh and she's like, You guys are trying to steal my money. 
And she's like, you guys just put different, you guys put different prices on things because then people just get annoyed and don't want to have to deal with it, so they pay for it. And she's like, I don't have enough of my car to do that. <laughs> and the lady's like, we don't, we don't do that. Like, yeah. that's not how that works. You know? <laughs> You're a crazy conspiracy lady. So this goes on for like five minutes. And I'm like <laughs> starting to... Not be cool. Not be cool. Yeah, you're you're, you're, to, not, you're through being cool. <laughs> through being cool. <laughs> I'm saves the day over here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, finally, she's just like, all right, fuck it, I don't want it. So she's like, so give me my $10 back. I don't want any of the rest of this. So the lady's like, okay, hold on a second. You know, gets her $10 back for her, grabs the items. Yeah. You know, so it's finally my turn. <laughs> I finally get up there. No fucking cases. Uh, Not a single case. Uh, I stood in that line <laughs> for 35 minutes. Oh, my God. No cases. And no cards, really. Yeah. So basically just I stood there with my thumb in my ass for 35 minutes. Do you feel like a better person because of it? Not really. No? <laughs> I feel like I am owed that time back. Yeah, yeah, you really are. But Walmart, move your fucking cards. On your deathbed, you're going to be like, that 35 yeah. minutes. I could have could have done so much. I could have jerked off I twice. I could have driven home. <laughs> yeah, but if honestly, if Walmart just fixed the fucking location of the cards. Like, That's such a bad location. Even the Vienna one. They put them like near us, like a checkout aisle. Yeah. But they've spaced it. Yeah. So there's like plenty of space to. Like the only thing that should be on the checkout line are like the same shit that's in all of them: lighters, gum. Yeah. Like just shit that you grab because oh, I need this. Yeah. They shouldn't have like specialty items. Well, like Southside Walmart's or uh, Marietta Walmart's the same way. It has enough space to where there is a self checkout aisle. Yeah. But people can be in that line, and you can be looking at cards. Yeah. At the same time. Sure. But the south side one, it's just this narrow-ass little aisle. So, yeah, I was... You're not happy with south side Walmart. Not happy with south side All Walmart. Right. I know You're listening people, to south side Walmart. Get your shit together. And if the two people who I know that work there are listening to this show, uh, you guys need to do something about it. Yeah. I'm counting on you two as just employees <laughs> to change... To work, I believe, in the eye care center and the frozen vegetables. To change everything for me. <laughs> Uh, skip your lunches, skip your breaks, get this taken care of. Get this taken care of. I stops in once every couple months and wants to look through the cards. It's also just such like uh, the card thing is, like, I'm learning more and more every day. Like, it's just such, like, I still, I love collecting them. Yeah. But, like, I'm learning what a giant racket it is. Like, there's a guy that does uh, breaks on a Facebook group I'm a part of. He works at Target. So, like, whenever a new shipment comes in, he just gets to kind of, like, pick yeah. the ones he yeah. wants right off the top. So, like, ha- like, around here we don't get anything, but I'm assuming like, everybody that works there probably tells friends yeah. that have, you know... The- of all the employees here, there has to be one or two of their card collectors. Or, like, yeah, they have or friends that friend- are, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they give them a heads up, hey, new shipment's in. So, uh, yeah, so that was not a fun... And then, like, I'm just trying to get home, and I'm, you know... You're not even supposed to be here I'm today. Not to be here. Traffic's <laughs> terrible. I go through uh, Wendy's to get some food. The lady, uh, the lady directly in front of me, like, we get up to the first window, and she's just sitting there. There's no one ahead of us at this point. Uh-huh. And she's just sitting there with, like, her $10 bill or $20 bill out the window. And she's, like, looking directly at the window, and, like, I can see, like, her kind of throwing her arms up, and, like, she's, like, shoving the money towards <laughs> the window. And then finally a guy leans out the second window and just waves her up. Yeah. And so as I get up to the first window, there's a giant sign that says, please pay at the next window. <laughs> She's like, hey, sign, no time for reading. I want my windows. <laughs> no, hey, sign, you get out of my way. I'm trying to pay. 
Uh, so yeah. Not my job to read, son. I'm not a big fan of humanity. No. The whole us being positive thing just. <laughs> <laughs> it's good in this room. In this room, it's yeah. pretty easy to be positive. So but then you, you go outside. Yeah, we're all types of dick positive in here. But then, then you, you go out. Us, you yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but other than that, the only other thing that I've got going on right now is. Uh, I saw a ghost, man. You saw a ghost? I saw a ghost. Like, legit, I think, a ghost. Right. Uh, the other night, it was like last week, I was in bed around like 3 in the morning. I hear a female voice, plain as day, say, Josh. That's your name. It's my name. We call you Cash on here, but your God-given name is Josh. God reached down and named me Josh. He tapped you on the forehead and said, you shall be Josh. Josh. Boop. <laughs> now... Throughout my life, I have heard uh, a female voice randomly at night say, Josh. Uh-huh. This, just throughout my life, I've heard this. Sure. Uh, well, that night, I hear, like I said, it's 3 a.m. I wake up, and I look like you're in my room, so you can see what I'm talking about. I look, you know, directly, I'm afraid to look. directly across my bed, and there is a girl looking out my window. Uh... She has like a red sweatshirt on, a like knit cap, uh huh, pair of glasses, and like brown hair. It's Velma, <laughs> kind of. Raggy, <laughs> uh, and she's not like uh, it's not like shadowy. Uh-huh. It's not like glowy or like that like kind of misty. Yeah, like, it's yeah, not, yeah. It is a girl. Wow. It's a human being uh-huh. standing there, and she's looking out the window like she's like looking for someone. Or like trying to get someone's attention, and I just I go, uh, hey, and they don't pay any attention to me, and I kind of sit there for a second. I'm still looking, like I put my glasses on, and there she's still right there, plain as day, looking out the window, like she's kind of like frantic. What? And then she looks back towards my door, like she's expecting someone to come through it. Uh huh. And like kind of like frantic. I'm leaving. I don't like this. <laughs> and I go, uh, what's going on? You know, because like I don't. I told somebody else this, and they were like, how are you not freaked out? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I kind of figure, like, <laughs> if there's somebody in my room, I'm not afraid of them physically hurting me. Yeah. Like, I can, if they attack me, I can handle, like, and if they have a, the only thing that's going to fuck me is if they have a gun, and I'm fucked. So, why panic? But I've seen The Matrix. You can, you can move out the way I can, of bullets. I mean, I could dodge bullets. Yeah. If I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, once you had your glasses on. Yeah. So, I, I get my glasses on. She, she's still there. And for like a solid 45 seconds or so, she's just like, like I said, frantically looking out the window like she's like hoping someone sees her uh-huh. or like she's just looking to see if she can wave somebody down. And then like every couple seconds, she'll turn and look back at my door like she expects at any second somebody to come through. And then the outside light comes on and gone. Oh. So there, like there is a, there's a Ohio State blanket hanging up on that window and it's got, it's gray and it's got, like, red trim. So I know, like, if anybody would, like, if I would take a picture, say, of my room and then tell the story, people yeah. would probably be like, hey, you just saw that blanket. Yeah. But, like, she was, like, she didn't, like, move the blanket, but she was, like, looking around the blanket. Uh-huh. Like, it was there. Well, she's in... a ghost, so she can't move it. Right. Yeah. Well, unless she learned a lot from yeah. that Swayze. Yeah, that's true. The old man of the I had that on VHS, <laughs> if you want to watch it. Uh, you know what I think about this? What's that? Is what's going on with your neighbors, the thing they have on their fence. It sounds like they're looking at that house. So. Okay, see, okay. So, I thought about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Also, so what I think is happening is, you remember when I saw the guy in my room and he pointed a gun at me? Yes. And like when I woke up and with saw the West Virginia there, hoodie. Yeah, and I said, Mike, like, <laughs> I'm thinking, I, I think I'm watching something play out. Oh. Like, I think whoever that was had her in this room at some point and possibly killed her. And I wasn't seeing him pointing a gun at me. He was pointing at the girl. At her. At Velma. Yeah. Mike and Velma. So I, I kind of like. shit. So uh, I kind of figured out, like, the girl next door, she went missing, I believe, in the 80s. I think that's what, yeah, I think yeah. that's what it is. They found her at a burned down barn on the family's farm or something. Yeah. yeah. So. Lassie at the library. I did figure out that there was about a year and a half, a year to a year and a half period of time when this house had no one in it. Uh-huh. At all. So it could have been used by somebody that knew the house was empty, uh, that possibly had access to the house or something. Yeah. But, yeah, I think I'm seeing, like, the shit play out. Well, that's our episode. I gotta go. <laughs> I don't... That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it was... You have a really open mind, so I'm like... Like, I, I, I don't have open mind, but, like, you just seem really, like, available to that kind of stuff. I, yeah, I do. Like, I think, like, there's certain uh, energy. Like, because I'm, like, a big believer in, like, just energy being yeah. out in the world. Sure. Uh, like, that's all we are is just energy. Uh-huh. And, like, I think, like, certain people's energy... If there is something else, I think there's certain people's energy that's more, like, receptive. Yeah, receptive. That's, yeah. that's the word I was looking for. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, man, it wasn't like the light was playing tricks on me. Like, it was like a sh- I saw a shadow. Yeah. Or, like, I thought I saw, like, a white, you know, flash or something like that. Like, it was a human being standing there. That's crazy. And, like, when that light came on, like, it just, like, lit up the room and there was nothing. Well, like, what made that light come on? Uh, the outside light comes on. Like, oh, there's okay. like a raccoon or one of the cats walk by oh. it. Yeah, it comes on all the time, and it's so fucking bright. <laughs> but, <laughs> That's why the blanket's there, huh? <laughs> uh, that and a, the window, the window pane thing got broken. What a pain! But uh, I know I was awake too because then I just went ahead and like once it happened, I just, my brain wouldn't stop. Yeah, turning so I turned the TV on and watched TV for like 45 minutes. Ah, so creepy. Until I could go back to sleep. Yeah, but like so I was awake. It wasn't like I was dreaming. And thought I was awake. But yeah, so pretty uh, weird shit. I haven't seen anything else since. Uh-huh. Like I said, this was last week, Tuesday or Wednesday. If you're in this room right now, give us a sign. And so if you go down to my basement, as soon as you go down to the basement to the left, it's nothing, it's an unfinished basement. Uh huh. So it's nothing but dirt on the left. Oh. Which would be. A good, pretty good place to put a body. Let's start digging. <laughs> well, I saw you got Sir of Echoes on uh, yep, yep. VHS. VHS? I was, in my head the other day, I was picturing myself as Kevin Bacon down there just like digging up the basement. I haven't seen that movie in forever. I, I can't remember. I just remember I liked Sir of Echoes. He, so gets, I bought it. Uh, he lets his wife's sister um, put him under like hypnosis. Yeah. And while he's under, like something happens to him. And he, when he comes to, he's able to, like, he starts seeing, like, flashes of, like, a murder. Or he, like, sees, like, a ghost in his house. And uh, he starts piecing together her murder. Oh. And he starts. Okay, I'll have to watch that pretty it's soon. It's really good. Then. Okay. Yeah. I just, I just watched it again, like, probably two months ago. On VHS? 
No. Oh, man. No, I, didn't, I don't have it. be a lot cooler if you watched it on it film. Been a lot cooler. Okay, that's the way it's supposed to be watched is on actual film. <laughs> it just sounds and looks better. Yeah. It's on film. Right. Okay, I can pause it anytime I want. I can, I mean, I can do that, too. I can rewind it. Yeah, I can do that, too. But is it film? <laughs> it was. <laughs> I think they basically just take the version from the film and put it on a bigger... They put it on wax or something. <laughs> yeah, or whatever. Whatever, <laughs> ma- whatever magic goes into that. Uh, yeah, so that's what's been... I've been, pretty crazy. I've been ghost hunting and yelling at people in Walmart. <laughs> It's been my life. Uh, so I did, not much has changed. <laughs> I did pull out a like a hundred and thirty dollar Tom Brady car. There. Oh, so yeah, I saw that. Yay me! And I'll probably just go up because he uh, breaking yeah. news. Tom Brady retired, and we hope for like last time we broke that news almost because yeah. it had just happened as we started to record, uh-huh. and then by the next day after I, we put the episode out, he was already unretired. I hope he unretires because here's the thing: Tom Brady's older than I am. So I can still be like, man, when I grow up, I'm going to be Tom Brady. But now he's getting too old for this shit. Yeah, now he's getting too old for this shit. And what's that say about me? Well, you can still. I mean, he's what, 46? 45, I think. 45? Yeah. So you've still got a few years that you can just... I got to get my arm loosened up. And you can still just want to be Tom Brady, even as like a 60-year-old. He's going to be so rich. Yeah. Yeah, he signed like with Fox for... Three hundred million. Of the money. Yeah. All of the money. <laughs> They're like printing money with his face on it now, which is good. He he deserves it, man. I I don't hate Tom Brady. A lot of people hate him, but no. I mean, he's probably the best quarterback of all yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm glad that like I'm glad that the the Patriots and Tom Brady dynasty is finally over. Though. Yeah. Like I, it was getting to the point where it's like I don't want to see them in the Super Bowl anymore. Yeah. And then he went to Tampa instantly won it, then had a couple yeah. off years, and now he's just done. Good so, for him. See you later, Tom. Good career, Tom Brady. Yeah. Good boy. Extraordinary. Good buddy. <coughs> Enjoy your retirement. And you're so much more money now. Just <laughs> so much about money. Football. Oh my god. Uh speaking of talking about football, real quick before we hit an odd break. Uh our predictions have not been great so far. <laughs> nope. Uh, I don't know if either of us predicted either of these teams. You the Chiefs. Yeah, I did say the Chiefs because I was against the Bengals because they're rivals of the Browns. So you didn't I, have the Chiefs. And I didn't want the Eagles in the Super Bowl when they got there. Yeah, so That Chiefs, was such an ugly game, and they hurt Brock early, and then he couldn't yeah. throw, and now he's out six months. And yeah. Don't know what they're going to do. Like, are they going to uh, go back to him at the beginning, next season? Yeah, Garoppolo, Trey Lance is hurt. Pretty he's, sure Garoppolo is going to end up going to, like, Raiders, Raiders yeah. or Panthers. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, but they got Trey Lance. You know, do they believe in Trey Lance at all? Uh, he's get, He got hurt, too. Yeah. So, I mean, I, who knows? So, the 49, so, he got in the Super Bowl. But the 49ers, you can put anyone. I think at this point with the team yeah. around them, you can put anyone as a quarterback. I think they need Baker Mayfield. Yeah. I'm yeah. still a Baker. Baker with those weapons? Yeah. That'd be great. Baker gone and uh, So, who do you got for the Super Bowl, then? Chiefs. Chiefs. I, which means the Eagles will win, but, you know. Uh, so, I... There's a there's a th- Twitter post that keeps circulating, where some guy had like ten years ago, or so like some some years ago, predicted the next ten years of Super Bowls. Uh huh. And he's currently on like he's got the Eagles winning this year. Uh huh. And he's currently like six for six. Wow. Over the past six years. Uh. So like next year he's got the Bills, and then I think it's the Bengals, and then I think the Cowboys. To finish out. And then there's maybe, like, one more. Is it Marty McFly? I don't know. Does he have, like, a book that he just carries around in his back pocket? If the Eagles win the Super Bowl this year, 
I'm back in the sports betting game, <laughs> and I'm putting money on the bills for next year. Hell yeah. Like, as early as possible, because that's crazy. And that'll end the streak. I think seven years. Yeah, and then I'll, <laughs> I'll end his fucking streak dead in the water. Show that guy what's up. Yeah, I'm like, I don't care if you are a time traveler. My bad luck beats out everything. Absolutely. <laughs> Without a doubt. Yeah, so I think it's. I think you for, got it like that. I think if the Eagles win, it'll be seven years in a row. Wow, he's that's been crazy. Because right. yeah, then it's. Bingles, I haven't been Bills, right seven Bingles, times Bingles. in my life. Ever, <laughs> ever. All the times, like included, I haven't been right seven times. So yeah, I I, I would rather the Chiefs win it because I don't like the Eagles at all. Uh-huh. There's a part of me that really wants the Eagles to win it because yeah. then I'm like feeling real good about that Bills bet. Yeah. Until yeah, I ruin it. <laughs> Uh, but okay, uh, that's enough about us. Nobody cares. Uh, <laughs> After 20 minutes, nobody cares. 30 minutes. 30, wow, okay. 30 minutes. So let's go ahead and take an ad break, and then we're going to come back with part two of part uh, Triple H's story. Cool. His origin story. Well, starting in WCW, he was John Paul Levesque. He was terrorizing. Terrorizing. Yes. And then he went to John Paul, yeah, and they tried to make him like a blue blood. So mm-hmm. now still in WCW. Mm-mm. Really? He was in the Blue Bloods, but he wasn't John Paul. He was Paul still Levesque. terrorizing then? Pretty sure. Okay. Yeah, John Paul. There's Levesque no way to know. WF. Okay. Yeah. I think you're wrong. We'll be Let's back. go to Ad. We'll check. We'll be All back. right. <laughs> well, what's that? I don't What wanna, were you saying? I don't want to have to do this. Who was right? Do I have to say it? What were you just saying? Okay, so <laughs> we checked during the break. We checked what? <laughs> what did we check? We checked <laughs> on the history of uh, Triple H. One Triple H. Uh huh. Not H.H. H. Holmes. Paul Michael Levesque, if you will. If you will. And he began his career in WCW in 94 yep. as Terrorizing. But then. But wait! There's more! <laughs> was renamed. John Paul Levesque. Oh, in WCW. Given a French accent. And that's what you said, right? Before the ad break, you said that he was John Paul in WCW? Oh, I don't think it was me. Uh, I I said that. I said it. And you were like, oh, no, not until he got to WWF. That does sound like me. <laughs> you were right. Ah, number six of my lifetime. In WCW, he was John Paul Levesque. And then when he came over to the WF, he was Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Man, validation just feels so good. Congratulations. Thank you. You did it. Thank you. Good boy extraordinaire. Soak it all in. <laughs> oh, I'm going to soak it in. <laughs> I don't know for papers like I <laughs> wrote all this story out. So, yeah, you were you did it, man. Thanks. You know more about Triple H than me. Are you happy? <laughs> no! <laughs> uh, don't tell anybody else that. If Tim listens to this, he's going to be so mad at me. <laughs> Okay, so... But he's going to love me. He's going to have a whole... got to say, Joel is a good boy. He's going to have a whole respect for you. (laughs) So... Or just respect, finally. (laughs) Some level of respect, finally. Uh, So, yeah, let's get back into H.H. Holmes. All right. When we left off, uh, he had used a lady named Minnie Williams and her sister. Um, He'd basically taken advantage of both of them. uh, Had... Use them as part of a scam. They both went missing. Yep. Um, he would, uh, a bunch of witnesses would later testify to seeing her around after the time she went missing. Uh, but none of those people actually knew her. And Holmes would later admit to paying a guy named Patrick Quinlan. Uh, he paid his wife, 
to impersonate uh, Minnie. Uh, her and her sister Nanny Williams, their bodies were never found. Uh, they were never found. So it was suspected that he had gotten rid of them yeah. at some point. Um, but that's how easy it was to be, just be like, no, I, I'm going to yeah. pay you to pretend to be there, yeah. and I won't get in trouble. So before he was able to return to Chicago, he was arrested in Colorado on fraud charges. Colorado? Colorado. Huh. And he spent uh, the end of 1893 in prison there. So part two of H.H. H. Holmes, uh, he is released uh, from the Colorado prison. <laughs> and in January 19, or January 1894, uh, after he's released, he meets uh, his fourth and final wife, Georgiana Yoke, uh, while using the name Mr. H.M. Howard. Oh. And for those keeping score at home, that's not his name. That's like his third name that's now like his or something. Third or fourth. Fourth or fifth name. Uh, he was able to somehow extra-legally marry her. Um, he's been, you know, this is his fourth wife. Yeah. I don't think he's got a divorce from any of them. Uh, but he is a man, so back then he could pretty much, a white man. So yeah. they were like, go ahead. Yeah. Have fun. You're a man and your wife. <laughs> oh, shit. You do anything you want. <laughs> uh, this time he explained that his wealthy uncle had left him a great deal of land in his will on the condition that he adopt the dead man's name, because that's pretty common. You yeah, know? uh-huh. You just have to be me for yeah. <laughs> Um Georgiana believed this, uh, but she also had no way of knowing that Holmes' land had actually been inherited from Minnie Williams. So he was able to somehow scam Minnie out of her land, and then she went missing. Um, meanwhile, Ben Patezel, which has been uh, Holmes's kind of right-hand man off and on throughout a lot of his uh, scams and frauds. Uh, Fishizzle, him, Patezel. I don't think you're allowed to say that. Fishizzle? Patezel. Patezel? <laughs> uh, so Ben, his wife Carrie, uh, their children Desi, Howard, Nellie, and Alice. I like Desi. That's and Warden. Oh, Warden. Uh what name did you like, Desi? Desi, yeah, that's yeah. a good name. Desi Patezel. Desi Patezel. Pretty good name. Uh, they had moved to St. Louis, Missouri. All right. Uh, in 1894, Holmes contacted Ben, asking him to purchase life insurance so they could fake his death with a medical cadaver. Uh, Patezel agreed to this, and the pair traveled to Philadelphia, uh, but they both explained the plan to Carrie. They both let her know, hey, we're going we're gonna to fake Ben's death. Uh-huh. Um, we're going to use a cadaver. But you know, we're going to get this life insurance money, and like we're, we're all going to be rich. Would you say that? Like, if you were like, you're in the plane and you're about to like show everyone the dead body, you're like, Abracadabra! I mean, if I had any showmanship. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if I had any self pride. Like, yes. oh, wow, that was really neat what he just did there with the dead body. <laughs> yeah. I like how he makes it fun. Like, we're totally, you know, we're scamming everybody, but, you know, it's important to have fun when you're doing it. Abracadabra, there's a good. Uh, <laughs> There's a good Lawrence Arms song called Abracadabra. Oh, yeah. Abra, uh, Abracadabra. So. I want to reach out and grab you. Unfortunately for Ben Patezel, uh, he, you know, he had done a lot with H.H. H. Holmes, a uh, lot of scams and knows stuff. Knows a lot, probably. Uh, this time, however, H.H. H. Holmes was scamming him. Ah, I bet he really killed him, huh? Well, Am I getting ahead of myself? So, they were in Pennsylvania. Putting the agent in front of the Holmes? A little bit. They get to Pennsylvania. And uh, Holmes is just like, I can't find a body. I don't, yeah. You know, like, remember we talked about how there was a national cadaver shortage? Yeah. People just weren't dying. Yeah. Or they were dying in ways where their cadavers weren't I guess, left. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like you said, like spontaneous. Yeah, combustion. sure. That was big in the late 1890s. Yeah. Everybody was doing it. It was the hip's cool thing. Uh, so to pass the time while they were trying to find a body, uh, they started drinking. 
Now, Ben already had a bit of a drinking problem. Uh So it wasn't hard for Holmes to get him to keep drinking. And Holmes would keep, like, pouring him shots. And just, you know, got him real liquored up. So Mike uh, likes to do that when we're bowling with pitchers. Like, I'll go to bowl and whatever my glass is at, I come back and it's just bowl. Yeah. Yeah. So I get it. He's trying to kill you. Yep. Eventually. Um, so, you know, there's a chance that he because Patezzo had had been was an alcoholic. Um, so Holmes may have just got frustrated about that, but I'm pretty sure he was just he knew the way to uh, like this was all his plan the whole time. This was way he's going well, to sure, like you say, he's been his right hand man for a while, and he, so he must know a lot. He knows. I'm sure he's a paranoid fella, Mister Holmes. So once uh, Ben passes out. Uh, Holmes gave him a lethal dose of chloroform. He then used an oil lamp to singe off uh, Patetzel's hair and clothes uh, before smashing the chloroform bottle on the floor. And he tried to make it look like uh, basically Ben had gotten drunk and yeah. died in an accidental explosion. Uh, See, that's why there's no cadavers. So many accidental <laughs> explosions. He didn't do a great job of it. Uh, like, if there would have been like anybody competent Looking into it, uh-huh. it probably would have been pretty clear what happened. But the Pennsylvania coroner bought it. They just, they were like, "Yeah, it sounds likely." <laughs> uh, so, this white man said that's what happened. Yeah. So I was like, "Okay." So, in order to collect the money from Fidelity Mutual Insurance, uh, Holmes needed Carrie or another family, another member of the Patetzel family, to identify Ben's body. So <laughs> he sent a letter to St. Louis asking Carrie to come identify the body, explaining, you know, again. It's not, you know, it's not really Ben, though. Yeah. Like, this is all part of the ruse that we told you about. Sure. So, you just need to come in and be like, yep, that's, you know, cry a little. That's my Benjamin. <laughs> uh, not my BP. Uh, Carrie didn't want to leave her infant son, though, which I'm assuming is Wharton. Yeah. Since he was named last. Uh, so, instead of going herself, she sends her 15-year-old daughter, Alice, by train to meet Holmes and uh, identify the body. Like, you know, so she would have told Alice... Should have put, get, should have like, let her know. Hey, yeah. this is all let scam. Her in. Wink, wink. Um, and Carrie and Alice would never see each other again. Spoiler alert. Oh, so Alice, uh, one of them went blind. She wasn't a huge fan of the arrangement. Um, even though her dad had worked with Holmes for years, Holmes was still relatively a stranger to the rest of the family. Um. But then uh, Holmes brought Alice into the coroner's office, and uh, I don't even know if she actually was in on it at this point because she sees she sees her father's like blackened, burnt, uh. rotting corpse. Uh, but she was able to identify the body by its teeth somehow. Wow. Like she apparently keeps good records of her dad's okay. teeth. Okay. Um, but this was all at, yeah, like, 28 of them. They're all there. This was all like at Holmes encouragement. Uh-huh. You know? Uh, and fidelity insurance agreed to issue a check of $7,200 to Carrie Patetzel in St. Louis. Uh, Holmes then informed Carrie that Ben had owed him 5,000. So you need to pay me five of them. Sure. So she went ahead and paid him the $5,000. Uh, so Holmes had his money and he had two problems though. Uh, First, the Patetzel family knew way too much sure, about yep. everything. Second, they believed that Ben was still alive. They He's got 99 problems, and the Patetzels are <laughs> the a good are bit of them. Pretty much all of them. <laughs> uh, but, you know, they're thinking that this is still just a ruse. Yeah. So where's Ben? Um, Where's he been? <laughs> so, <laughs> Sorry. 
Holmes asked Carrie to send two more of her children to him in Philadelphia. Uh, he told her that Ben was hiding in Cincinnati uh, and that he could, you know, take the family to him. But if the whole family came and it was a big traveling group, it would draw a lot of attention. Sure. So she's like, yeah, that sounds yeah, it makes sense. like a thing. So she sends... <laughs> that sounds like a thing, someone would say. Yeah. <laughs> she sends her 8-year-old son, Howard, and her 11-year-old daughter, Nellie, uh, to join Alice. That is not safe at all. Not at all. <laughs> no matter who you're sending the 8- and 11-year-old to, they need supervised. Especially when you're sending them to a criminal. Yeah. Like, And you know he's a criminal because you're involved in the crime. So... Oh, my God. Uh, but she, she still had uh, her oldest daughter, Desi, and then the youngest, the baby, Wharton. Uh, you know, and Holmes told her, you, you three, hold on. You know, wait till I tell you it's all clear. And then you guys can come out here, too. So, uh, this, uh, what happens after this uh, actually did leave an impression on Holmes because according to later testimony, he... Holmes admitted that he suffered from chronic nightmares due to what happened, mostly the rotting corpse of Ben Patezel. Uh Who knows if that's true or not? Yeah. I don't know if this guy actually had feelings, you know, like gave a shit. Yeah. But from September 28th to November 17th, 1894, Holmes successfully juggled navigating eight people in three separate groups. Uh, Holmes and Georgiana and the three Patezel children. And then a third group, or so Holmes and Georgiana by themselves. Uh, the three potential children, uh-huh. and then a third group with Carrie, her baby, and Desi. Um, and he somehow was able to manage to get all of them across the Midwest and into Canada. Uh, they traveled from Cincinnati, Ohio, to Indianapolis, then Detroit, then Toronto. It's uh, crazy how much, how, what length this guy will go to to be a complete fucking, like, just asshole. Yeah. And just... Like, just, imagine if he just took a quarter of that and just tried to, like, play it straight. <laughs> right. Like, it's just, it's in, that's insane. Like, he was committed to his grift. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, he worked harder to not work. <laughs> I like that. He worked harder to not work. Uh, after Canada, they went to Ogdensburg. It's a lot of work not working. <laughs> it can be. Uh, after Canada, they arrived in Ogdensburg, New York. Anytime they would arrive in a new city, Holmes would tell Carrie, uh, hey, Ben was just here, uh, but he had to skip town. Like, Fight club. People are getting closer <laughs> to us, you know. Uh, and then... He'd be like, but he leave, He left you these instructions to yeah. meet him here. Um, and then as the time went on, uh, family members would just kind of disappear. So uh, Alice had written had written in a letter um, once she reached Detroit that Howard was not with them. You know, because Carrie is under the assumption that uh, Alice has... Howard and um, who's the other kid that she sent out there? Nellie. The 8 and the 11-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. But Alice had written this letter saying, hey, Howard's not with us. We don't know where he's at. Uh, but the letter never got delivered. So pretty clear that Holmes intercepted that. Uh-huh. Um, now, he's not – nobody's really sure what A.J. Holmes had been telling, like, the kids to keep them, you know, kind of in line. Uh Alice often complained about the increasing cold, her homesickness, how much she wished to see her mother and baby brother. Uh, at the time, she didn't realize that when she was saying all this, her mother, uh, her baby brother, and Desi were all three blocks down from her at a different hotel. Wow. In the same city. Wow. Uh, 
the girls, uh, Des or Alice and Nellie, were last seen in Toronto. So Carrie Patetzel and her group eventually arrived in Vermont on Holmes's instructions. After repeatedly attempting to have Carrie send him her other children or move to another city, Holmes finally visited in person. Uh, he was not able to kind of like persuade them to uh, move to another city or to send. I mean, yeah, eventually these people would have to just get. Yeah. Yeah. How could you not? So instead, uh, after she, you know, wouldn't just leave or like give him the kids or yeah. anything like that, he went into her basement, like I'm assuming snuck into her basement and dug a hole. Um, and then he left a letter for her uh, as Ben, I believe, telling her to go down there. There was something down there. So when she went down to the basement, she nearly avoided a hole that had been dug. Uh, and at the bottom of the hole was a bottle of nitroglycerin. Oh, shit. So the plan was for her to trip, fall into this hole. Yeah. Boom, nitroglycerin, dead. Um, and she pretty quickly realized this was Holmes' attempt to kill her. Uh, and while Holmes was, by that point, pretty paranoid about people like catching on to him, pursuing him, he didn't realize that Fidelity Mutual Insurance had been following him and the Patetzel family for weeks. Uh, he was out of their jurisdiction in Canada, but as soon as he returned to the U.S. in New York, uh, he was open back up to arrest. Um, it's possible that he suspected something was coming just before his capture, because for unclear reasons, after visiting Kerry, he returned to New Hampshire and reunited with his wife Clara and his now 15-year-old son Robert and his parents. Uh, he, expel he explained to them that a terrible accident eight years earlier had given him amnesia. Oh. <clears throat> and in the hospital, he re received the name H.H. Holmes and had eventually fallen in love with it and then married his nurse, Georgiana, before remembering his life as Herman Mudgett. So, I mean, that's a time as old as, a tale as old as time. <laughs> Look, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I got the amnesia. I got the amnesia real bad. I'd love to have been back here with you yeah. and, uh. But your uh, love brought me out of it. That little that one, one was his name again? What was that one again? Amnesia. Don't tell me. It doesn't matter. Is his name Amnesia? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he, um, they believed him. Sure. Because everybody believes everything. Yeah. Back then, apparently. Like people, that was before lying was invented, so no one <laughs> yes, knew about it. He's, yes. the, he's the one that invented lying. Uh, so, really, again, nobody's really sure why he made this trip, like why he reconnected with him. Um. But he left not too long after that, uh, and he told them this time he was pursuing business in Boston. Though he promised he would return soon to pick up his life where he left off. Uh, he never Unless did. I get amnesia again. <laughs> the old amnesia strikes. Yeah. So on November 17th, he was arrested in Boston. Uh, initially, he Boston? was charged in, in Boston. Say hello to your mother. Initially, he was charged with horse theft, stemming from accusations back in Texas. Uh, but those charges quickly escalated to insurance fraud to which Holmes uh, confessed to. In his changing stories, Holmes said that he had intended to defraud the insurance company by passing off a cadaver as Ben, uh, but that his partner had accidentally killed himself before they could proceed. Uh, he said that he then staged the scene to look like an accident to try and secure the family the money, knowing that uh, Fidelity would not pay in the event Even of suicide. Even though he took 5000 of it. Yeah. He really cared about that family. He also claimed that the potential children were all alive and well, uh, that they were traveling with his old friend, Minnie, uh, and she had probably taken them to London. Uh, Carrie was also arrested for her part in the fraud scheme, 
Um, while the two sat in prison in Philadelphia, police back in Chicago started searching uh, his building in Inglewood. And in Indianapolis. Always up to no good. Uh, in Indianapolis, a Philadelphia police detective. So I'm, I don't know if that means there's a Philadelphia Indianapolis. Yeah. Uh, or if for some reason Philadelphia police were in Indianapolis. I'm not sure. Good. But Philadelphia police detective Frank Geyer set off in pursuit of the potential children. So uh, Geyer and an inspector from Fidelity Mutual Insurance checked hotel records and spoke to boarding house proprietors and renters who might have seen a group matching the description of H.H. Holmes and the children. Back in Inglewood, uh, the Chicago police and dozens of reporters flooded into Holmes' basement, uh, accidentally causing an explosion. His basement flooded? No, they, they exploded it on accident. Oh, okay. Uh, when one worker's candle set off fumes from an old fume tank. Oh, fuel tank. shit. Uh, back in Indianapolis or Philly, wherever the hell we are, <laughs> Geyer and uh, the insurance guy, they tracked down a house Holmes had rented in Toronto. Upon entering the basement, they discovered a sa- soft patch of earth on the do- dirt floor and started digging. At the bottom of the shallow pit was a trunk that matched Carrie Patetzel's description of the one... She'd packed before the children had left for St. Louis, or had, before they had left St. Louis. Inside were the naked, rotting corpses of Allison and Nettie, oh. Nellie Patetzel. Uh, when Holmes heard of the discovery, he is supposed to have said, Oops, I did it again. He said, Well, I suppose they'll hang me for this. Uh, I guess you kill a couple kids. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's the end of the world. This guy is such a prick. I had amnesia. What was I supposed to do? <laughs> uh, um,. In Chicago, I God, I wasn't supposed to kill people. Uh, the police and reporters begin discovering all manner of incredible things while searching H.H. H. Holmes's uh, basement. There was a tank of strange chemicals, which later proved to be crude gasoline. Uh, it was clearly a vat in a clearly a vat for stripping the flesh from skeletons. Um, and then they had a strange furnace with its molding kiln, which surely must have been a crematorium. A scratched-up bench with some stains became a dissection table, and a stained piece of rope found in Patrick Quinlan's toolbox was labeled as a noose used to hang victims in the dummy elevator shaft, uh, regardless of, Peter, of Patrick Quinlan's insistence that there was nothing sinister about it. So, no, like, those probably weren't what those were actually used for. Like, yeah. once they kind of discovered the two bodies, they started just, like, Bending the story, sure. You know, they you make see the, you make puzzle pieces fit the way, yeah. You want them to fit sometimes. Um, di- digging more further into the basement, they eventually did uncover a stash of human bones preserved with quicklime. Um, these were likely belonging to a child of about eight to ten years old. Wait, they were they were preserved uh, with like lime. So he wanted the bones to stay. Apparently, maybe he wanted to dig them up and look at them. Yeah, and shit. yeah. Uh, they had decayed though pretty bad, so it was, it was, they couldn't really identify who they were. Yeah, uh, but they believe they belonged to a child of ten, eight to ten years old, which would have been about the age of uh, the one kid that, that wasn't in the trunk. Yeah, yeah. Um, they think though maybe it was uh, a missing girl named Pearl Connor, however, but they couldn't ever prove that. Um, and of course, Holmes's explanation for the whole thing was. Uh, yeah, I buried a, a cadaver. Like, yeah. I had a cadaver, I buried it. It was rotting. That, that, what do you want me to do? That's why there's a cadaver shortage. You keep burying them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you do with your cadavers? So, meanwhile, a review of the contents of the basement 
uh, stove uncovered bits of fabric in a watch chain, the latter of which was identified as having belonged to Minnie Williams. Also in the stove, investigators found what were believed to be heavily burnt human bones, but upon inspections were actually just bits of fired clay and the remnants of a turkey. What I learned from making a murderer on Netflix is you really need to get a burn barrel. Yes. That's important. That seemed to be a pretty big part of that story. Yeah, burn barrel. Uh, But then apparently those don't work well either. That's a Christmas hint for you for this year. (laughs) Christmas hint. Yeah. I don't have a burn barrel. Oh, you're one. I want a burn barrel. Okay. Okay. Wink. Uh, Now, is that just a normal barrel? It's got to be like a metal barrel. I'm going to have to use incognito mode to search for that, I think. Cool, yeah. Go on the dark web. Did you see the video of the guy, like, uh, he was in court and they were listing off all of his, like, recent Google searches? No. Uh, Like, he he was, I think he got convicted for killing his wife. Uh Uh-huh. But, like, he's standing there, like, they're reading off, uh, like, his recent, you know, search history. Yeah. And it's like... uh, How sad is too sad. what to do... When will this feeling go away? Oh, that's my Google search. Go ahead. How many tears does the average human body have? <laughs> uh, Why me, Lord? Crying world record. <laughs> uh, they were like, you know, um, uh, how to dispose of a body. Yeah. Uh, best way to. Was he like being incredulous about it? Where he's like, yeah, you know what? Everyone he, Google's that, right? He's just kind of standing there like. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. <laughs> like the whole time, he's just because it gets ridiculous. It's, it's like, like my wife was so much smarter; she should have told me not to Google this. It's stuff. a shitload of searches. <laughs> yeah. like, he was searching for every. Aspect like they just of stopped thing. the trial. They're like, all right, this guy. Yeah, fucking the whole yeah, the whole time he is sitting there, it's like, God damn it, God <laughs> fucking damn it. Uh, She's right. I was an idiot. I'm a fucking idiot. Yep. Um. Anyways, yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to Google how sad is too sad as soon as we're done with this. Go ahead. So a lot of what was being uh, said in this, or like being discovered in this investigation, again, um, it seems like the, like, you know, investigators and the reporters were just kind of like putting their own theories and ideas on yeah. things without any real evidence. Uh, but regardless of what the truth was. Well, back then, what fucking, I mean. They, again, have, they have the evidence, but they have no way of, like, testing the yeah, evidence. Yeah, the stories or... we've done from the past is basically just, like, did we catch him doing it? Yeah. No, then we did don't they have admit it. to we it? We have nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So they're just, like, pulling theory, pulling theories out of the air. Uh, fantastical stories quickly took hold and never let go. Uh, Chicago lost its collective mind. Um, suddenly, dozens of people claimed that they'd either worked for Holmes, been approached by him to take out life insurance, or narrowly avoided death yeah. during stays. Everybody wants to be part of the story. Yeah. In one of the most I met him. AJ I Jones? remember. Yeah. yeah, that picture. I told you about that. You and old Holmesy. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, you got any corpses? And I was like, do I? <laughs> Not for you, buddy. I'm pretty stingy with them. I got a whole closet full of skeletons, buddy. <laughs> uh, you can't have them. You couldn't handle them. I'm taking them to the grave. <laughs> so in one of the more striking examples, a man named Myron Chappelle told police he had worked with Holmes articulating skeletons for sale to medical schools. Uh... And he strongly implied that he had helped dispose of all the, of the bodies. Uh, this story, <laughs> strongly implied. <laughs> like, you wouldn't just say, I helped him. It's like, well, how do you think, where do you think all these bodies were, huh? Wink, wink. Maybe old Myron did something with him. <laughs> oh, Maybe, I don't know. Old Myron. I'm not saying he did, but strongly implying. Uh, so this, that story, like, that is still often reported as, like, truth today when people do stories on Asia Holmes. But even back in 1895, that fell apart pretty quick. Uh, according to Myron Chappelle's own son, 
he was a drunk and he was insane. Uh, but the Chicago Police Department dismissed these concerns and took the testimony seriously. And then when it came out that Chappelle was in fact lying, police were so embarrassed by this and other setbacks setbacks that they stopped interviewing further witnesses <laughs> or <laughs> investigating other sites where H.H. Holmes may have operated. They're just done. It's like, fool me once, we're never going to fucking investigate again. <laughs> I will not be fooled again. <laughs> Fuck you guys. <laughs> if I just don't do anything, I can't do it wrong. Solve your own crime. That's kind of my motto. Just don't <laughs> yeah. do anything and you can't do anything wrong. <laughs> Life hack. <laughs> uh, in fact, in Chicago, the police never found enough evidence to charge, charge Holmes in any crime uh, despite searching the castle from top to bottom. In Ohio, however, Geyer and Gary, the uh, police detective and insurance guy, they finally found something substantial in their search for Howard Potetzel. Uh, one neighbor recalled seeing a moving truck arrive at the vacant house next door, occupied by a boy, a man, and an enormous stove. Uh, she asked their new neighbor, new, she asked the neighbors what the new arrivals could possibly want with such a large house. Or a large oven. Holmes would then kind of like a few minutes later arrive at her front door to say that he decided not to take the house after all and that she could keep the stove if she wanted it. Uh, suspicious. I didn't cook any bodies in there. Not if you're a wondering. One, not a one. Just use that stove. It's fine. That smell? That's just a roast turkey. Uh-huh. Uh, apparently suspicious of his neighbor's attention, Holmes had abandoned his plan in Ohio. And in Indianapolis, he had run into no such problems. So after locating the house that Holmes had rented there, uh, Geyer and Gary discovered that Holmes had had an identical stove installed during his brief stay. Inspecting the inside, they found scraps of clothing, burned photographs, several human teeth, and the top of a skull belonging to a prepubescent boy. Oh, man. Uh, these fragments would join the rest of Ben Potetzel's skull, uh, or would join Ben Potetzel's skull in a box beneath the desk of Holmes's lead prosecutor. Uh, with no doubt that Holmes had murdered three... Potential children. His trial took place in Philadelphia. Uh, from prison, Holmes had written and published his memoir called Holmes's Own Story. Uh, Probably called Holmes. You don't play that. <laughs> Holmes, you don't play that. He'd used outside agents in the attempt to garner sympathy and aid in his defense. Uh, between the book and everybody knowing about him, uh, because of the press, it made a jury selection pretty difficult. Uh, furthermore, Holmes' case was compromised even more when the judge ruled that his trial would start as soon as possible. The prosecution had spent the better part of a year gathering witnesses from the country, but the defense would have less than a month to prepare, and his lawyers would quit. Uh, Holmes agreed to act as his own attorney, and then to the amazement of everyone, he was really good at it. Oh, yeah? Well, uh, he's a lying piece of shit, yeah. so I mean... Uh, yeah, he'd also been sued. Sorry, any lawyers out there listening? He'd also been sued a lot in Chicago for like various frauds yeah. and things, and he'd always kind of represent himself. He'd always, you know, yeah. so he probably picked up a lot of things. Um, his his attorneys would eventually return, uh, but uh, more damning than the actual evidence marshaled against them were the emotional appeals played out before the jury. A uh, weakened and traumatized Carrie Patetzel. Her testimony, for example, brought the entire courtroom to tears. Uh, Georgiana Yoke, found for the, by the judge to not be Holmes' legal wife, was able to testify against him. Um, and it was a pretty cold testimony. Like, she was... Well, that actually worked out then. I mean... All yeah, him not all, being... Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so good for you know, she actually made Holmes break down and sob in open court, uh, and then he had to cross examine her. <laughs> In a small victory, Holmes's lawyer successfully argued that the case at hand centered only on the question of whether or not he had killed Ben Patetzel in Philadelphia and not what had happened to the, pr- the other children or anyone in Chicago. Uh, despite this and the fact that the evidence of Ben Patetzel's murder was circumstantial at best, the jury quickly convicted Holmes and he was soon sentenced to hanging, to be hanged. Uh, Although the story may have started in Chicago, William Randolph Hearst's papers and others like the New York World wrote the H.H. Holmes legend as most of us know it today. Uh, this largely began with an 1895 article called The Castle of Modern Bluebeard, which included for the first time mentions of Holmes stalking his victims on the grounds of the World's Fair. It also provided maps of each floor of the Inglewood Hotel, labeling rooms with names like the Torture Chamber. Yeah, that's what I've seen. I've seen, yeah, yeah I've, I've had books that has that in there. Uh with the first article proving enormously popular and soon being reprinted around the country, the New York world built a relationship with Holmes, first allowing him to send them columns throughout his trial, and then, after his conviction, paying as much as $7,500 for his full confession. What the fuck? <coughs> it seems likely... What's he going to do with $7,500 in jail? <sighs> He's going to rule that place. Yeah. It seems likely that the world, uh, the New York world, and the Philadelphia Inquirer split the cost to secure exclusive rights, uh, but there were a lot of various knockoff versions appearing in national press around the you know country, including the account in the Philadelphia North American that added the now infamous quote, I was born with the devil in me. Uh, however, H.H. H. Holmes's confession makes little sense. Although he claimed to kill 27 people, several of those he named were still alive. Yeah. And he even got one of his purported victims' names wrong. Uh, it was suggested that Holmes was lying to secure money for, for his wives and children, but it was more likely that he was building a war chest in the hopes of filing an appeal. So that's probably why he was trying to get all that money. Uh, regardless, he quickly exhausted his options, including a failed insanity defense. And on May 7th, 1896, a little more than a week before his... How old do you think he was at this time? 35? <laughs> Fucking nailed it. Really? All right! A little more than a week before his 35th birthday. It seems insane to me yeah. that he was only 35. He did a lot. <laughs> he did way more than I did in my life before I was 35. Yeah. Uh, but a week before his birthday, he was hanged at Philadelphia's... Uh, Moy- He's been hanging around? Moya Mensing Prison. Uh, the story has continued to stay in public consciousness. Um... He's often, you know, referred to as America's first serial killer. Uh, USA! USA! The America's version of Jack the Ripper. But it seems like most likely... Um, he scammed one family, killed them, and all just, the Minnie and her sister. And, if he even killed them. Yeah. Like, it seems like he mostly just had to, like, got Like, he just had to try to cover up his shit. as like, fraud crimes. Yeah. And... Yeah. I mean, it was awful. He was, the, obviously, killing children, shit like that, yeah. but... They definitely, it sounds like they took it, ran with it, and just made him into a bigger monster. Like, people just love... Yeah, because when I first heard of H.H. Holmes, like, yeah, it's built up like he's... Yeah, he had that hotel with all the traps, like, hidden hallways, trap doors, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. He had, like, made that to be a kill building. But it doesn't sound like he spent that much time there, really. Yeah, so... Yeah, the story of Asian thirty-five Holmes is a week before his thirty-fifth yeah. birthday. So he was only thirty-four. Yeah, he's the new Tom and Brady. He did a shitload. Yeah, in thirty-four. Wow. Years. So unfortunately, yeah, take take a quarter of that effort and just put it towards anything like legal and straight shooting. And this 
who knows what this guy could have done. Or it sounds like he probably could have pulled off like one big fucking scam. Yeah. And kind of set himself up for like life. I mean, he could have at least like just did a huge scam that would have got him through like 10 years. Yeah. To I mean, just be able to do what he wants. You know. Crazy. Uh, but he was, it sounds like he was like just born <laughs> uh, a fraudster. He was able to like get, you know, whatever he told people is what they believed. Yeah. So, yeah. This, people the, sure were stupid back then. The story of Asia Holmes was greatly exaggerated. Still, yeah, like you said, still an awful dude. Uh, did kill children, it sounds like. But instead of it being because he was this serial killer that, you know, he's, he just kind of needed to cover up his crimes. Yeah. His more mundane crimes. Yeah. So. Uh, just in, a, in an effort not to get caught. It's not like, it doesn't sound like he was just bloodthirsty yeah. or anything. He just, that was the easiest way for him to do it. You know, it was just. And if it's true. In his like, mind, the easiest way, just get rid of the people. Yeah. And, and if it's true that he like, you know, broke down in tears over his fourth wife's testimony and that he was haunted it's by It's always the fourth wife that gets you. You know, maybe he did have some guilt about this, but uh-huh. probably he was just... Acting? Just whatever the hell he needed to do yeah. to keep himself going. But After just... he was done crying in trial, did he say, acting? Because <laughs> that might shed a little more light on it that it was fake. But everybody would have just asked him what acting meant. <laughs> Like, oh, amnesia. Amnesia is what I meant to say. <laughs> I'm going to start saying that when I amnesia. <laughs> yeah. That's our story. That's our coverage of H.H. Holmes. We're sticking to it. And we're sticking to it. Uh, along with this new episode, this week you're going to be able to hear the very first episode of Ronnie Crowdad on Rooster Crow Radio. That guy's crazy. So keep a lookout for that. Yeah. Uh, that'll be a Spotify exclusive. Um I've I've got a chance to talk to uh, Fred, who's the producer uh-huh. for uh, Ronnie Crawdad, and playlists sound real good. Yep. So if you're into like the classic gold, you know, solid gold country, uh, it's gonna be a good time. Yeah. I think. So everybody check out Ronnie Crawdad show. We hope you enjoyed this two part episode of H H Holmes. And uh, if not amnesia, if not, we don't remember any of them. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> don't ask us. Uh, until next time. Uh, share our stuff, tell friends, do all those things, yeah. leave us reviews. Uh, you know, anytime you guys want to reach out and talk to us, leave us messages, uh, drop comments. Stand inside Josh's room, Cash's room, and look out the window yeah. as a ghost. Come on over. Yeah, I'll update you if there's any developments in that. Yeah. Uh, Please don't. Maybe I'll get the next piece of the story. Yeah. But I am going to start doing some investigating into missing people from around a certain time. Yeah. So... See if you see someone like a last scene in a red sweat, red sweater, and looking out, looking out a window. I'm solving this murder. All right, let's do it. <laughs> All right, you're you're gonna need to get a cadaver. Right, right. <laughs> Hopefully, there's not a shortage right now. Ah, man, we'll have to look into that. Yep. All right. Until next time, see you guys later. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.